0: I almost brought my pink glitter journal to match Katie, but I forgot it. But Katie, thank you for sharing. It's like, what am I supposed to share after that? That was powerful, encouraging stuff. Baptisms, always amazing. Thanks, guys, for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Jake. Been here with you guys a couple times before, and excited, excited to be with you guys tonight. So, uh, let's pray. Lord, uh, speak to us. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears. To hear from you, uh, we need to hear from your word. Yeah, God, we we're here for you—the one that can take us from death to life. And I pray, maybe there's even just hearts or areas of our hearts that uh, feel like they're dying and they need resurrection life even tonight. Uh, Come, breathe on us. Guide us. Speak to us. Uh, Empower me through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. After college, my wife and I, we moved to Redmond, and we lived in this condo, and we had a crazy neighbor. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had a crazy neighbor. Um, this, this is like full-fledged crazy neighbor. It's not like mildly crazy neighbor. Uh, give you an example. My wife had uh, one of her old college roommates over, and she was hanging out. Sweet, sweet gal. Um, we had a great time with her. I don't remember what we were doing, because this was like 14 years ago, Uh, fresh stories tonight, okay, fresh, Um, and she um, left, we said goodbye, and she went down out of our condo, and into the parking lot, and a few minutes later, came back into our condo, rushing in, and is just bawling, weeping, and we're like, what's going on, you know, what's going on, and um, she's like, my car, my car, you just, and so we go down, the parking lot and she had parked in the crazy neighbor's parking space. Tons of parking spaces open. It wasn't like it was a crowded day in Redmond, Washington that day. Um, And her car was covered in post-it notes with swear words all over them. I mean just four letter word after four letter word. Windshield wipers flipped up and and so she was just mortified. Um and we were like, Oh, yeah, that's that's our neighbors parking. Like that's like out of all the neighbors parking spots to pick, you chose that one. Like everyone else would have been like, Oh, maybe I'll write him a note saying, hey, this was actually a private space and not not one of the public guest spaces. But that's not what crazy neighbor does, right? Crazy neighbor, post-it notes, the car from head to toe with cuss words. Um, she felt condemned, right? She felt condemned. I don't know, all of us have felt condemnation, at some point, we feel judged. Most time, you only have to like drive like five miles to feel like someone is condemning you, right? like so at some point, someone flips you off, honks at you, gives. The other day, I wasn't going to tell this story. I don't know. Sometimes I tell stories when I've already made the point. Um, this is going to be one of those. I was getting on the freeway, and I was getting on the freeway, and I'm. Yeah, basic merge-like rules here, right? It's traffic time is over Amalacha, just hopping on the freeway, like 5 o'clock, so it's slow. And you know the basic rules. One car, you let the one car go, every other car merge in, right? That's, no one's getting anywhere fast. We all have to do it. We all have to wait every other car. So I'm going, the car in front of me, you know, goes behind its car. I wait for another car to go. And now I'm gonna go behind this car because that is the way it works, people. <laughs> this car decides to do the right, the old speed up, right as you're going in. And I'm kind of looking over like, no, no, every other, I'm waiting my turn. I'm, I'm gonna keep going. And he's going. Now we're like looking at each other. Now I'm like on the shoulder and I'm like, all the way practically to the next exit, and I'm just honking, like, I lost all, like, uh, any sort of pastoral grace that I may have had. Um, Like I said, I don't know if this one makes a point or not, but it does, actually, because this guy was so wrong and evil, and I wanted him to feel condemned, right? Right? I did. I wanted him to feel condemned. So I just kept honking, honking, and like stayed next to him. He never was going to let me out. I'm like, come on. So I pull in finally behind him. Well, this post-it note guy, uh, word on a post-it note, this guy, this guy is so smart. He's driving his company vehicle. The phone number of the company on the side, the name of the company on the side, works for a big national company so i pull up behind him honk for about another half mile see i was just really upset it's just and i pull up next to him and i just put on my phone and i take a picture of the number on the side of his car you know just kind of like to let him know like boom i let him see it like boom boom picture of your license plate boom picture of your number I go home, write this big, nasty email, like, you need to fire this guy. He's a danger to society. (laughs) I was two minutes slower getting home because of this guy. Probably not even that. I ended up passing him on the freeway. (laughs) (sighs) and I was just about to push send. Like, the finger was there hovering, like, just do it, do it, do it. And then finally it just hit me, like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? It, this passage, eight 1 through 11, it, it kind of talks about these two different worlds that we can be living in. You can be living in this world of condemnation and judgment and revenge. And it, you can be living in the power of your flesh, which has no patience, which is always self-righteous. Which in that moment is what I was completely being, was self-righteous. Like, you even heard that story. I'm in the right in this situation! He's in the wrong. Maybe he was in a hurry. Maybe he had a bad day. Maybe he lost count of the every other. Maybe he just lost count of the every other and thought that I was the one breaking the every other rule. Right? The point is, I, I Easily could just give this guy grace, slide in behind him, and it make no difference in my day. As a matter of fact, going the other way made me miserable for like two hours. I was steaming about this whole s- scenario. Romans 8 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whether you're condemning someone else or you have felt or been condemned, even the little condemnations that we have go about our days. You ever have that person that just kind of always rolls their eyes at you? Just, oh, yeah. It's a condemnation. It's a little, it frustrates you, it hurts because it's, a, it's, a, it's a just a slight, small, or that just person that always says the subtle sarcastic comment. And sometimes sarcasm's great. I'm sarcastic, humor here and there. But there's times where that sarcastic comment or that passive aggressive comment or that little comment is just a drip. Of condemnation. All right, it's bringing condemnation kind of just into the atmosphere. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way It was just <laughs> atmosphere And coming off a couple of weeks where you guys have been talking about sexual sin and pornography and that and, and, and just the weight of that stuff that can, it can make us feel uh, condemned. And the Bible just kind of talks about there being light and there being darkness. And this darkness, part of its role, part of the enemy's role, what the scripture called the devil's role, is to discourage, to accuse, to lie, and to condemn. And oftentimes, the condemnation, the condemning voice, isn't even a lie. We often can feel condemned... For something that is actually true of us. Right? We commit sins of commission, meaning we do the things we're not supposed to do. Right? We just like my situation there, like probably none of none of my actions for that 30 minutes and beyond were what anyone would call it godly um or exhibiting anything of the fruit of the spirit of like patience or self-control, or peace, right? So you're committing sins that, sins of commission, doing things you're not supposed to do, and then we also commit sins of omission, meaning we don't do the things we are called to do. We fall into passivity and laziness or complacency or just plain feel the Lord nudging us in direction and not doing it. Now, in either of those situations There's someone that's ready to jump on the scene. And that's just the voice of condemnation. You didn't do what you're supposed to do again. You did do what you're not supposed to do again. You always do this. You're the only one that would ever do this. This isn't. You call yourself a Christian? And you do this? Have you guys ever heard that voice? Ever heard that inner dialogue? Oh, you're struggling with this thing again? Again? I thought you were over that. I thought you were past that. I thought you moved on from that. And you just feel this weight of condemnation. That voice isn't the voice of Jesus. How do we know? Because of verses like this one, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore, there is therefore flowing out of really the first seven chapters of Romans. Really flowing out of all of that, just talking about all of who we now are in Christ, all of how we are justified by His life, death, and resurrection. All of the promises that follow and flow through Romans 1 through 7. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation for those who are in It doesn't say, there's therefore, like, just a tiny bit of condemnation when you really F it up, right? Then there's just a tiny bit of condemnation for those Christians in Christ Jesus. Or when you fall back and you've done something the hundredth time, well, then there's some condemnation for that. No. It says, there's therefore now, no, none, zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Meaning if you have decided to follow Jesus, if Jesus is your king, if Jesus is is your Lord, if you have died with Christ, baptized, buried in the water with Christ, and rose again to new life, coming out of the water in new life with Christ, then for you, follower of Jesus, there is no condemnation. Not even a little. Fall into the same sin for the hundredth time, no condemnation. Fall into a new sin, no condemnation. Don't do the thing that he has called and invited you to do, not con, not condemned. Here's a little secret. When you hear the voice of condemnation, here's what you can say. Go away. You can only say to me what you could say to Jesus that would be true of Jesus. I said that in the best way. Go away. Is what you're saying, is what you're saying right now about me true of Jesus? That's a better way to say it. It More articulate there. No? Oh, I just fell into this sin for the hundredth time. Okay, you're right. That's true of me. Okay, true, I did. Um, Yeah, I just... Totally lost it on some random worker on his way home to work because he wouldn't let me. Yeah, yeah, I did that. That was me. And yes, I could feel condemned and shamed. And who are you? How could you be a pastor? How could you ever that? You did this and this. You can't even drive without, like, losing your mind, you psycho. Yes, yes, okay, that's all true. But did Jesus do that? Did Jesus lose his patience with that guy? Did Jesus go and Wave his phone out, take a picture of the thing, write a psycho email, and then almost send it? Did he do any of those things? Did he lose his self control in that situation? Did he lose his patience in this situation? Did he secretly, somewhere small, tiny boy, go, I just hope that car crashes right now and just kind of just always going over the pretty bridge. Hope it just goes right off the bridge. Like, right, evil thoughts. <laughs> Did Jesus think any of those thoughts? No. Guess what? I am clothed in his righteousness. You can only say about me what would be true about him. Because I am not my own, I have been bought with a price. And because I am not my own and I have been bought with a price, there is therefore no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. And so yeah, I lost my mind that day. Guess what? Jesus did it and I am in him. And it's his reputation that is the only thing that gives me the right to open up the Bible and speak. Imagine doing this out of my reputation. Imagine trying to tell your friends about Jesus because you're so good. Hey, here's here's good news for you. You can be good like me. How many of you heard that Christian gospel? Here's good news for you. You can be as good as me. No, here's good news for you. Even though I messed up, And even though you're messed up, there's one who is perfect, died for us both, loves us both. And guess what? In him, there's no condemnation. He knows everything that you have done and everything that you will do that was evil, that was disobedient, that was selfish, that was ungodly, that was just rebellious. And he doesn't condemn you. That's good news! That's amazing news. Could there be any news better than that? We're supposed to be a good news people. That's good news. That's the type of news that makes you go, just forget it. Like, I'm just going to, you know, move, go to India, and just boom, tell people in villages, step in cow poop, because I got to tell people this. Right? Because you got to. You got to. No condemnation. I don't, we're supposed to go through other verses, but how do we get past this verse? Like, have you gotten past this verse? Have you have you meditated on the verse? Do you know the God of the universe who doesn't condemn you? How many of us grew up in churches with, with the uh, condemning Sunday school teacher, right? That just or just the like older that one like staunch like uber religious couple with the, just uh, they're just everything's so buttoned up and you were just running around the pews or something and they just kind of give you the, like oh, that child won't be. That child's going straight to H. H is for heck, of course. And just ah, right. And you've just felt the condemnation. You've felt that I'm not good enough. You've felt the like, oh, I just won't be. And just felt the judgment. And you're like, this doesn't seem good. This doesn't seem like good news. But then you read this, and you're like, whoa. Where was this? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of your sins washed away. You are clean. You are new. Verse 2 says, For the law of spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Man, did you wake up this morning feeling free? Amen. What are the things that are trying to still enslave you? What are the voices? What are the habits? What are the lies? What are the things of the past? we don't have to listen to those things anymore. We get to say, no, I'm, I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. I am new. Verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit so good and i just want us to just even just to, guys if you even just get the tiniest taste of this you'll it'll just change your entire life by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh in for sin he condemns sin in the flesh see that here's the reason when you hear those voices that are like no, you're condemned, no, you're condemned, you deserve condemnation, you've screwed up again, you're never going to amount to this, you're da da, 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 da. What, you, you hear that? You couldn't go to India. You couldn't go, she's going to India, just look at, she's like journaling and praying and like reading a death by life book, like this is a super saint, you couldn't ever do it, you're nothing, you're not going to amount to nothing, you're just condemnation, 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 right? And you're like, you're right, I'm not, I'm not good, I'm, I've never done two and a half hours a day, like, I don't, I've never done two and a half hours of time with God, in my life, like, every day for like 30 days, who is this girl, is this is like Mother Teresa up here, like, what is going on, like, I'm just not going to deal with this, right, and you're just feeling the condemnation, there's, I can, with this, it, and then you know it's true, you're like, yeah, I am too lazy for that, I just, I'm never doing that, like, I'm just, I, I, I just deserve condemnation, and you feel it, and you're like, I deserve it, and, and there's this sense of, our sin does deserve condemnation, We deserve to be condemned. What do we do with that? What do we do with this need for sin to be condemned? It says this. For God has done with the law we can by the flesh cannot do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus was condemned for our sake. That's what the, the cross is the greatest moment of condemnation in the history of the universe, mockery, beaten, hung, crucified, death, that's what our sin deserves, that's what it deserves, yours, mine, that's what it deserves, and so we feel rightfully that guilt and shame, we're like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't deserve God, and his presence, and it's like, I don't, I don't deserve that. I just deserve. And then we look to the cross and say, but he's taken. He's taken what I deserve. That's why there's therefore no condemnation for me. Because what happened to that condemnation was Jesus took it on himself. Can we just pause and thank the Lord for that? Let's do it. Let's let's, let's pray. Let's get just. Let's do it this way. Let's stand up. Let's stand up, and I first learned this in Myanmar. I went to Myanmar, and um, a lot of ways that Christians pray there is they just pray out loud all at once. Um, And it's just, it's good to do it. It reminds us that the Lord, people are praying all at once all the time. The Lord can hear every voice, and it also reminds us that we get to raise one voice. But let's just take uh, one minute of prayer to the Lord and thank Him. Thank Him that He was condemned for, for you. Thank him personally. Right now, just take a moment to personally just say, thank you that you were condemned for me. And then maybe even just look at the person next to you and thank, thank the Lord that he was condemned for them too. Okay? So let's just do it all together. Three, two, one. Amen. That was the quietest, quietest altogether prayer I've ever heard. <laughs> that was very much like, uh, maybe very heartfelt, I won't condemn, but very uh, very self-conscious uh, group prayer. We'll work on it, we'll work on it, you know? Just, we'll get that. Maybe, uh, maybe the fall retreat, by like day three, we'll be full-fledged charismatics by then. Um, that was i won't make more jokes it's just going to take me down a dangerous place Uh, we can't have him back Um, he offended me in the tradition of like hundreds of generations of christians Uh, mm, verse five for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, I love the howevers in the Bible, it's great, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, let's pause. There's a lot lot there. Bless you. Talks about setting the mind on the Spirit. That there are two things that you can set your mind on. That from the moment you wake up, there are just basically two paths that, that your day can go down. Just kind of like mind roads that your mind path roads <laughs> that you can go down. You can set your mind on the flesh, on, on your selfishness, on. Really just living in atmosphere. Go back to that atmosphere. Atmosphere of condemnation. Atmosphere is the perfect word for it. I don't know why. Atmosphere of condemnation. Or you can set your mind on the Spirit. Set your mind on His forgiveness. Set your mind on His incredible love. To set your mind that you are in Christ. Man, imagine waking up. How many of you, you wake up like first thing. Wake up, you're already late, like you're behind you like snooze three times. now you're like you're already f- waking up feeling like condemned, anxious, rushed, all stressed, all these things are going, oh man shoot I'm late, I'm late, I'm already late. I forgot to sleep. do this, do this, oh check my phone. okay, I got oh, this, this text. They didn't text me back on than this. oh they canceled that. okay, whatever. Instagram. did they, anyone follow see my insta? Okay, they liked it, they didn't like it. Did they even like on Instagram? I don't know, I don't, I don't have it. Whatever, moving on. And you're just rushing out, and, and then you're like, wait a second, I didn't do, I didn't do a Bible devotional, 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 devotional. Uh, oh, Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in day of my trouble, amen. And cereal, uh, and then off, and then you're going. Someone cuts you off, we get in the whole road rage thing, Thing right? Just You get to work, and you're just already just... Your mind is just all over the place, right? Mind is all over the place. What I wanted to talk about with... Let's go through 9 through 11, and we'll come back to this thought. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... The spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Thrive. Come on somebody. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells with us, is with us right now. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that descended upon Jesus before he started his ministry. Jesus' ministry, he was born of the Spirit, right? He was born of the Virgin Mary, uh, conception by Holy Spirit. Mystery there, okay? Mystery. You can't even ask your parents about that one. It just won't be able to figure it out. Born of the Spirit. At his baptism, the Spirit descends on him uh, like a dove, and then he's led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, and his whole entire ministry is filled with the Holy Spirit. He heals the sick by the power of the Spirit. He multiplies food by the power of the Spirit. He calms the storms by the power of the Spirit. He walks on water, and the same Spirit that raises him from the dead is in you. Is in you. And the. the, What I hope. Might be instilled. In us. Pause. Come back to that. Finish this. Finish verse 11. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Will also give life. To your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who dwells in you. This I mean. Honestly, you could spend the rest of your life on these 11 verses and not stop having your mind blown, right? It's like, how how are you ever going to move past this stuff? Also, who will also give life to your mortal mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, This, what we just looked at, is just some of the most beautiful, powerful, incredible truths of the gospel. Jesus taking the condemnation that we deserve, just taking all of it for us. We no longer condemned, right? The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling in and with us. We have this incredible power and presence of the Holy Spirit in and with us. And now, In these 11 verses, there is also, in light of those truths, in light of those incredible truths, there is an instruction, an application to us. What do we do with this just powerful stuff we just heard? It says, For those, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the thing of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The instruction to us in light of this incredible news is that we begin the habit of setting our mind on the Holy Spirit and the things of the Holy Spirit. How in the heck do we do that? What do you guys think? How do we do that? How do you set your mind on the Spirit? Yeah, pray. Do you notice everything in these passages is talking about what God has done for us, right? And the invitation here is to then beginning to set your mind on the things that He has done for us, right? We are so forgetful. We're just so forgetful. I do think my mind was set on the spirit when that guy was not letting me merge into my rightful spot. If my mind at that moment was just set on the spirit, set on my forgiveness, set on the fact that I'm not condemned, set on the fact that my self-righteousness brings me nothing but death, that what I deserve is actually the cross, Do you think I'm worried about my self-righteousness? Thinking, I deserve this spot. I deserve this spot. I deserve this spot. You don't. What do I actually deserve? If my mind is set on the things of the Spirit, I will know. I deserve the cross. I deserve the cross. I deserve death. Who cares if you got this spot? I deserve so much worse. And He has given me so much better. So take this. My mind is set on the things of the Spirit. And instead of saying, Man, I felt a little bit offended by this guy. I don't know what's going on with him. My response would be, Man, I wonder if he knows Jesus. I wonder if he's having a rough day. I wonder if he struggles with self-righteousness. Lord, I just pray that that car in front of you, I pray that he would meet you and come to know you. And maybe if he does already know you, he'd be reminded of your love right now. And would you bless his business? And if he has a family, would you bless his family, Jesus? And while I'm just sitting here slowly in traffic, Lord, would you just bless the people around me? And God, I actually have more time in the car now to pray for our city and pray for all the people that don't know Jesus in here. And now I have a little more time to remember, man, oh yeah, my friend Katie, she's going off to India. I got a moment right now. I got extra time because this guy cut me off. I have extra time to pray for her in India. And I'm not joking. That's what it looks like to begin to have your mind set on the things of the Spirit. You're thinking the things that God would be thinking. You ask yourself, God, what would you be thinking in this situation? Jesus, what would you be doing in this situation? Jesus, we already discussed. Jesus wouldn't... One, I don't have to feel condemned when I don't do what Jesus would do because I say, no, Jesus wouldn't have done what I did and I am in Christ. But number two, I can start to move towards Well, what would have Jesus been doing? I want to set my mind on the things of the Spirit and live The life that Jesus is living. And listen, those two different spheres or worlds or atmospheres. Listen what this one does. Listen what happens when you begin to set your mind on the Spirit. When you begin to walk in the Spirit. When you begin to be led by the Spirit. And you begin to be filled by the Spirit. It says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Literally, I was just experiencing a death to my soul that whole car ride home. I literally was hoping for death for him. Like, I'm not joking. I literally had that thought. It was just like, that would be nice if he crashed. Right? And he said, and first we laugh. We think that's so funny. And, and it's kind of funny. And when you start thinking about it, you're like, no, that is evil. That is, like, I just wished, like, so much evil on this guy for nothing. For literally because I... Had to wait one more car turn to to merge. What is wrong with me? Like, how sick and twisted and depraved am I? Because my mind was set on the flesh, and the flesh only leads to one thing, death. When your mind is on selfishness, when your mind is on you, 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 you're only leading your own soul to one place, death. That's where you're heading it. But when we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, it brings life and peace. I think we struggle in our culture to set our mind in the spirit because we are actually the most anxious culture in the world. We're the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest cultures in the entire world, and we spend more money on anti anxiety and antidepressants than any other place in the world. we live in a culture that has said, set your mind on the flesh. If you bought this thing, you'd be happy. And if you bought that thing, you'd be happy. And if you consumed this, you'd be happy. And if you changed to get this, you'd be happy. And then you, and you go for those things, and you go for those things, and you go for those things, and you feed your flesh, and you give your flesh what you want. and is it, We're so anxious and depressed because we can actually give our flesh exactly what our flesh wants. And then we find leads to death, that leads to our soul feeling more empty and more despair. But there's no condemnation for that. Because Jesus who come, and we can now be in Him. And then He invites us out of that. You don't have to live this way. John 10, 10, one of my all-time favorite verses. I probably quote this verse every three sermons. <laughs> Like, it just, it has to go there. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life abundant. Man. Thrive, that's what he invites you to. He invites you to set your mind on the spirit and experience life and life abundant. You can start living for eternal life right now. You can start experiencing the joys of eternal life right here and now. And you can start inviting others into that. Right here and now. So, I don't think the American church has an evangelism problem. I think we have an enjoying Jesus, setting our mind on the Spirit problem. If we begin to enjoy Him, wrap our heads around some of these amazing beauties, we'll become salt and light. You won't have to try to. So much of our evangelism is condemnation based. Just, you don't evangelize enough. You don't evangelize enough. You missed another opportunity. Oh, just condemnation, condemnation. You just, you didn't, you, you, you did two of the four spiritual laws and condemnation, condemn, right? And, but if we are opening our days going, he, he loves me, he doesn't condemn me. Everything I jacked up yesterday, pff, his mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. I'm going to set my mind on that. I'm going to start spending time with him, enjoying Who he says that I am in him. And those beauties. And pretty soon you begin to set your mind on the things of the spirit. And then the fruits of the spirit start to flow out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control even during road rage. Self-control even in a world of cars. And let me ask you this. If you see a person that has those things... If you see a person walking with that type of countenance, where they just have peace and joy and love flowing through them to you, you're going to want to know what they have. Right? That's that's evangelism made easy. Spend so much time with Jesus that it actually transforms you. And then you just simply have to, like, start walking around. It's, like, nearly that easy. What is going on? Who are you? I just know Jesus. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Tell me about him. Oftentimes we struggle to share the good news because our minds are not set on the good news. We haven't bathed in it ourselves. We're not enjoying it ourselves, we're not letting it transform us, and so when we offer to others, it's like inviting someone to, the, like, a bad concert or something, like, yeah, I saw it, it wasn't that good, do you want, you want to see it, right, and that's oftentimes our, like, gospel presentation, right, ah, Jesus is kind of part of my life, and stuff, and you know, I can't, I'm not like, a, you know, do you want to believe, <laughs> what, <laughs> Do you want to like, I know there's a really good football game on. I'd rather watch the football game too. And it's going to be a really sweet football game. And it's a fun football game. Do you want to go to church instead? Wait, what? (laughs) Man, but to set our mind on the spirit. uh, One theologian said it this way. The greatest gift that you can give someone is a transformed and transforming presence. Meaning that you have been transformed by God's presence. And so your presence becomes transforming to others. Because it's not just you being present to others anymore. It's the spirit of God being present to others through you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this night. And I just thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone here that they, they don't know you yet. They might come to know you even tonight. Lord, if there's anyone here and they are just been feeling condemned, they've had specific sins that they're struggling with. Lord, we don't want to take sin lightly. Sin leads to death. Like, following, setting our minds on the flesh leads to death. Lord, uh, uh, one theologian said, be putting sin to death, or sin will be putting you to death. But Lord, we rejoice that you have put sin to death for us on the cross and how we get new life. Lord, I pray that Thrive would be a a place where men and women set their mind on the Spirit, and so out of them flows life and peace. Pray right now, Lord, just for your Holy Spirit to even come in a way that would move and remind us to set our mind on your promises, and on your goodness, and on the works that you've already accomplished, for us, and that you would remind us of these these things throughout our day, we begin to set our minds on you, in Jesus' name, Amen. That's going to be a soft close. I'm going to keep going a, a, a tiny bit more, Michael. Like one more minute. That was a soft close. It was a fake out. Um, I just uh, just I want you to think of just this last thing, and it's just the power of habit in your life. You have a notebook, write that down. What, what does it look like to create and pursue habits that help you set your mind on the spirit? And what does it look like to take away habits that are setting your mind on the flesh? Okay. Picture this: marriage, married couple, man and a woman. Every day they say something small, small, sarcastic to each other, and the wife rolls her eyes. That habit, picture that habit in marriage after five years. Picture that habit in marriage after 10 years. Picture that habit in marriage after 25 years. Small sarcastic comment, eye roll. Now, picture the same marriage, no sarcastic comment, no eye roll. They just pray for each other every day. They, they ask the simple question, how can I pray for you today? And they do it right there and then. And they do that for five years. And they do that for 10 years. And they do that for 25 years. And they do that for 50 years. Two, th- two examples. One minute habit in each one. What does that marriage look like in the first case, 50 years down the road? What does that marriage look like in the second case, 50 years down the road? That's the power of habit in your life. What are little habits that you can make with God Invite His presence to set your mind on the Spirit, and what are the little habits that you need to break off that, that set your mind on the flesh on a daily basis? Okay, hard close. I'm done. I'm just. I'm not even gonna pray. I'm just drop the mic, cause.